fifth chapter. <clears throat> and I know that for those of you that have joined for prayer on Wednesday, um, you guys will basically uh, will be hearing a a recap. Um, yeah, you guys will be hearing a recap of what I spoke last time, but it was uh, just a brief impromptu message that I had given. Um, but I was praying and I thought it was it would be of great benefit if that all of us heard it in more depth. And um, so, with that said, last time I spoke on long suffering. Um, so I want to read uh, Galatians chapter five verse twenty-two. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, um, I don't know if, yes. Uh, Would you be able to get the King James Version and type it there in the chat? The reason why I'm asking for the King James Version only because it has a specific word uh, th- that it, it, it translates a particular Greek word that I think is helps to capture the idea uh, a little better. And, um, you know, sometimes uh, languages are like that, right? The, the Greek has a specific word and there isn't a best word that you can translate, Um and so that's why, you know, comparing translations can be good. But nonetheless, here in the King James Version, it says, uh, it gives us the word long-suffering. And what I talked about last time <clears throat> is that, well, in some translations, it, talk, it says patience. The reason why I like long-suffering is because you just divide the word. And what, is this, what does it mean? Suffering long right? That means you have the capacity to be able to suffer for extended period of time, for long time, right? It doesn't say short suffering, right? It doesn't say that the fruit of the Spirit is short suffering, right? Because what would short suffering suggest? Uh, A lack of endurance, a lack of ability to persevere, and one of the things that I believe is lacking in the body of Christ, among many other things, um, is the capacity, is the ability to persevere, to endure, to suffer long, right? Because what is it that we want to do whenever a trial or a tribulation comes our way? We, we, and it's human nature, understandably, is we want to alleviate ourselves of the burden right away, right? But how many of you know that God doesn't always do that? God doesn't always alleviate us of our burdens. God doesn't always, well, let me say, let me qualify. It doesn't always alleviate us of our burdens immediately. Amen. There are often times that the Holy Ghost will suffer you to go through particular things 
in order to not only get things to you, but things in you. And not only to get things in you, but to get things out of you. Amen, somebody. You know, there's this book I really love. I often suggest it to um, young people. And, um, well, I, I'll, I'll suggest it to anybody. But especially young people. Because I, I think this is also lacking in the body of Christ. Is that we've become so heavily minded, we're no earthly good. There's two problems. that We're too earthly minded, we're no heavenly good. And we're too heavily minded, we're no earthly good. Right, But the sort of heavily minded that I'm speaking of that makes us of no earthly good is the sort of heavily mindedness that is really just a delusion. We want to delusion ourselves to think that we're truly heavily minded when in fact we're just religious and we're shut off to practical wisdom. We want to act more spiritual than we are and we'll say, oh, there's no place for practical wisdom. There's no place for, for some very common sense ideas. I don't like the subject of money. Right? They'll say. Money's of the devil. What? Money's not of the devil. Right? The love of the money. Love of money is demonic. Right? It's idolatrous. But the book is, why didn't they teach me this in school? And it goes through a lot of uh, life lessons. It goes, talks about money. talks about management and saving your stuff and it's a very good book very easy to read very reader friendly so if you guys haven't purchased that book and you want some practical wisdom in life i would suggest you get it it's called why didn't they teach me this in school and there's just a number of rules that they have set out but one of those rules is um you will you will learn you will receive more at your first job than you give to your job and i'm paraphrasing you will take out of your job more than you actually give to your employer. And and now that that's uh that's not always the case because maybe you just have a very, very poor job and have nothing given to you. Uh you, you get nothing out of it. But even in such cases, I think there's at least little things you can get out of anything. But in the jobs, what are they teaching you? They're training you. Have you ever gone through orientation? Right? Or go through training? Right? Or even as something as simple as a cashier, what are you doing? You're exchanging money. You're working in customer service. You're placed in difficult circumstances to be able to navigate through people in complex situations. Right? <coughs> now, would you do that normally? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't put yourself in situations when there isn't something in exchange that you get that compensates for the stress that you receive from doing work. But you're getting out a lot of stuff, right? You're getting out oftentimes a lot more than what you're giving to your employer because to your employer, you're just replaceable, right? Amen, somebody. So the point that I'm bringing that up is um, a wisdom is that we we um we need wisdom from God, practical wisdom, right? And uh, and then I I wanted to make the second point is that remember the first job, one of the first jobs I had uh, when I was eighteen, I worked at a slaughterhouse, 
and they worked us very, they, they, they worked us a lot. Um, there are times I work seven days a week, 12 hour shifts. I've worked 16 hour shifts and it's hard manual labor. And, uh, and on top of that, you, I'm working around a lot of blood, guts, manure, all in this room with steam. Like, cause we're having to clean all this stuff with like hot water, raising the temperatures of like 180 degrees Fahrenheit, 160 degrees. It's very hot water. So you get all this stuff that you're cleaning and steam and, and the steam and you're inhaling it. So you're inhaling stuff that smells like blood and manure intestines and it's disgusting. Now, if that wasn't enough, I had a lot of people that were testing me. A lot of a lot of guys that were ex-cons and and drug addicts and stuff like that. And they would test me. They would push my buttons because they knew where I was a Christian. And they wanted to see how much they can get away with without me retaliating. And so I say that because um, there were some difficult times that I had received in that job. And you know what it caused me to do is to cleave a hold of Christ more than ever. Amen. It caused me to run to him to give me strength so that I would not walk in the old man. So that I wouldn't resort to fighting. So I wouldn't resort to knocking one of them out. Right? Because I was tempted. I really was. There, there were some altercations that I had with, with the guys there. Where we're face to face. And I'm like, oh Lord Jesus, please help me. Because I'm, I'm very tempted to go somewhere that I don't want to go. Right? Because I think Christians will make very poor fighters. You, you throw a first punch and you're already convicted. And you can't continue the fight. But you already enraged the person. Right? <laughs> like, oh Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. <laughs> so, I say that. <coughs> because... God wants us to be able to suffer long. To suffer long. Right? Now, it's not that God is delighting in what we're suffering. Because you have to remember, see, this is why I, I don't like Calvinism. Because Calvinism says that God micromanages and microordains every little thing, every detail, and causes these things. God doesn't cause those things. God never... See, we, have, we live in a world with human will and demonic will. Amen. We live in a real world with demonic will and human will. And Jesus says, temptation is bound to come. Okay, so if I'm not mistaken, the word there is tribulation. I might be mistaken about that, but be that as it may, he says, but woe unto the one through whom the temptation comes. So he's, he's letting you know what you will face in this life and then qualifies it by saying, and if this happens, woe unto the person through whom it comes. So that suggests God's displeasure of the problems that come to you, displeasure of the people who bring you the problem. Amen? Amen. So, God is not somehow delighted going like this to the heavens. Yeah. <laughs> He's going through another one. He deserves it. Right? But, but He allows certain things because He knows that it will refine your faith. It will test your faith, 
right? And like James says, he says, let faith have its perfect work, that you may be entire, lacking nothing. Now, notice the Bible says the testing of your faith produces patience. What the Bible does not say is that faith produces patience. Faith doesn't produce patience. Okay, just for the same reason that muscles don't um, produce exercise necessarily. See, what, 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 what converts muscle into an activity is my will. I'm subjecting myself under pressure. I'm willingly and voluntarily putting myself under constraint or or resistance, right? Muscle resistance and stuff like that. So your faith may lie dormant and stagnant until you choose, right? To allow yourself to voluntarily come under that testing. And it's when that faith is tested, right? It produces perseverance. It's like trying to trying to convince somebody that you can run five miles without actually getting to the running, right? You may indeed have the capacity to, but perseverance, the whole idea of what perseverance means is for for a duration of time. Perseverance has in, has in mind per, uh, a duration of time so that, or, or a distance, Right, so that if my faith isn't tested for a long period of time, then how can perseverance have any work? Does that make sense? So it's not that faith produces patience or perseverance, but it's the testing of it. Right? Amen. Somebody y'all following? Amen. <laughs> Let me hear from the rest of y'all so you know that you so I know that you're here. If you can type, amen. So, let me ask this, my brothers and sisters. Do we have the fruit of the Spirit? Now, I want, I want to I point out to you that it's not the work of the flesh. Perseverance is not the work of the flesh. Because, see... Believers who are not, um, believers who are not well aware of their strength in Christ, the strength that is made available to them in the anointing in Christ, will become very discouraged at statements like this. Because what they will immediately do is look at the statement, long-suffering, and think that they have to look to themselves or draw from themselves. Right? And this will be especially discouraging for those who are weak in the flesh. Right? Who may not be strong. Who may not be courageous. Who may not, because there are people who in the flesh, their temperament, they have, uh, their temperament is very competitive. Right? Their personality is very competitive. And they got a lot of maybe uh, physical strength. And so that naturally gives them a confidence, right? But you'll be surprised. Because even strong men grow weary. Young men do faint. 
but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen? So, the strength for us to, the, the, the resources for strength that is made available to us is found in God and not ourselves. Hence why it is called the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. See, you can be, uh, I, I, know, I know men that are very strong in the flesh, right? But they're very weak in the Spirit. And and there will be there will be exposure, right? Because see, when I say exposure is if a strong man resorts to his flesh to be able to satisfy any requirements that God has for us, which require spiritual strength, that individual will soon be depleted. That individual strength will soon come to an end. It doesn't matter how great of a mindset you have. You can be you can be as determined as Mike Tyson. You can be as determined as a Navy SEAL. But if you don't if you don't tap into the economy of the Holy Ghost, that will not matter anything. That won't merit anything. Amen. Because with that said, right? Men who are strong, women who are strong, are those who know how to rely upon the Lord. And the prerequisite for that is to realize your own inadequacy, your own insufficiency, your own weakness, your own limitations. And if you don't realize your limitations, that means that you're proud and you're blind. Amen? But it's not enough to realize because a poor man can realize that his stomach is hungry but not go to a food bank. Right? For whatever reason. Maybe he's lazy. Maybe he don't want to get up. Maybe, you know, he chooses something else, drugs or something over food. But be in any case, it's not enough to realize the needs. That's where, uh, realize your need. That's where it begins. Right? But you have to go to the source in order to satisfy that. Amen. Amen. And how many of you get convicted by the Holy Ghost? How many of you get convicted by the Holy Ghost and you feel your strength being sapped, but still don't go to the source and sustainer of life? Did not Jesus say, I am the true vine? You have to be connected to the vine. And then if you're connected to the vine, you will do what? You will produce fruit. Amen. So you cannot be producing the fruit of the Spirit, namely long-suffering, if you are not, in fact, connected to the vine. Amen. Amen. You know what also will inhibit you from receiving strength and help from the Lord? Is pride. Amen. Because you don't want to re- you don't want to admit that you need something, right? You want to be independent, you want to be self-sufficient. But let me let me tell you this. The Bible tells us the Bible tells us in Luke 18 verse 1 that man ought always to pray and not faint. 
All right? Men ought always to pray and not faint, so that if you are a man, you should be praying. And the nature of man is that he runs out. And even in the natural realm, that is true. Why do you have to sleep and reboot? Why do you have to recuperate? Why do you have to replenish yourself with food? Why can't you just eat once and you'll be good for the rest of your life? Because we become depleted and need to restore. We lose and need to regain. We, we give out and we need to take in. And that is a law in the natural and it is equally true as a law in the spiritual. See, the Bible told you to fast from food, but it never told you to fast from, from prayer. <laughs> yeah. Amen. See, some of you are weak be precisely because you fast from prayer. And you, never, you, you can never understand why you can't ever get over specific hurdles. Why you're never growing in Christ. Right? Are we not supposed to be uh, moving from faith to faith to glory to glory? Amen. <coughs> but I, I want to turn to um, <clears throat> uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter 1. I, I love this passage here. Um. I guess we can begin in um, verse 3, chapter 1. I'll give you some time to go there. You know, I think, I think one of the problems in the church is that we convince ourselves that we are more spiritual than we are, right? Because we get, you know, goosebumps and fuzzies and, you know, or um, maybe because we know a little bit of Bible. Right, I know this verse, or I got a devotional, or you know, w whatever comes to mind. I think sometimes we we're misguided in our judgment of our own selves because I think one of the true tests—not the only test, but one of the true tests of spirituality—is the ability to suffer long. Have you ever met those people in the world that? talked a good game they said they were able to do this that and the other and they're like all right show us then they're like nah you know you know I, you know today's the wrong day or i remember you know some some kids that <laughs> when i was in elementary school they're they're talking about how good they're they were able to skate and i was like do do a kickflip then they're like ah, i don't got the right shoes on but they 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 would have skating shoes on though but they're like, these aren't my best shoes. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Stop lying. Now, I think a lot of times in the church, we say things like, oh, you know, I'll do this for Jesus. Or, or I'll do that for the Lord. But when push comes to shove, and it requires for us to actually deliver on that statement, we can't. Right? 
Amen, somebody. Amen. There's been on a number of occasions, you know, I've had people reach out to me and say, oh, you know, I'd like to pray with you. The uh, Lord told me that I need to learn how to pray. And I tell them, okay, well, you know, all right, that's cool. And I told them how long they can expect to be praying with me, and they don't show up. <laughs> I don't say that to belittle them, but I'm saying, what, what, what do you think? The prayer, godliness, requires capacity to suffer long. Amen. That includes our time of praying. To be able to subject ourselves under the government of God and say, Oh Lord, my flesh right now will be suffering. Amen. Amen. I am subjecting myself to your role, to your government. And I, I want to die to all that the the old man is offering me, and I want to draw resources and strength in the Holy Ghost. And that will not come until we learn the way of the altar. Amen. Amen. You know, I don't say this to gloat or anything, but it's getting it's now getting hotter here, uh, you know, where I'm from in California. and uh, But during lunch... I go to my car for 30 minutes and then because it's the only place I got to pray at work and it's hotter because I'm in a car. It's, it's, you know, now I'm like, man, you know, I'm having a sacrifice cause I'm thinking about Wednesdays now and it's like two hours in a car. <laughs> it's it's going to be stuffy. You know what I mean? Um, but I make it a habit and say, you know, I'm a prey. I don't care. Right. Because what were we able to do in the world? It was a hundred degree temperature. We're in the car, hot boxing a car. But you, you can't, you can't suffer for the Lord. Amen. Yeah. And I, I say this not to be demeaning, but unfortunately and sadly, when we come to the Lord, sometimes people become sissies. You know, I, I remember I was at a, a, a conference or some men's meeting one time. And, you know, the church that I used to go to, there was a lot of ex-gangsters and stuff. And um, he's, uh, you know, one of the brothers who used to be a gang member. He said, man, you know, brothers, this and that. He said, they used to talk about how they they're all, they used to be gangsified. He said, now that we've just become sissified. You used to put in a lot of work back in the day, but you don't want to do nothing now. He said, you went from gangstified to sissified. <laughs> now, you know, again, I don't say that to be belittling, but hey, out of your own mouths, you're proclaiming the wisdom. Out of your own mouths, you're admitting it, right? Now, the, now, of course, that doesn't mean that we become like those Catholics that just intensely flog ourselves and, oh, let me find ways to suffer. No, but sometimes... It will require for us to get to places to where that is in fact something that we have to learn or to subject ourselves to. Amen? Amen. Because the, the path to Christ isn't always easy. 
I don't know who told you that. Maybe you learned that from Joel Olstein, but it ain't in the Bible. Amen, somebody. Y'all ain't talking back. It ain't in the Bible. Find me one verse that says, um, you know, living for Christ will be easy. Find me one verse where it suggests to us that living for the Lord will be a, a, a piece of cake. It's not there. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> it, it is, let me say this, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But that's why God gave us the Holy Ghost to do what cannot be done by man but through Christ. Because does not do not the scripture say through God all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. <clears throat> yeah. Um yeah, so you know, I just want to ask this question. I'm not looking for any answers um or any any feedback. But are we suffering long? Where, where are we finding difficulty to suffer long? Right? Are you, you know, <clears throat> oh, I, I don't want to pray. It, it, you know, it takes too long. Oh, you know, brother, you got to understand, I, I, got, I got my studies. Amen. You know, oh, brother, you got to understand, I'm, I'm busy. I just possibly can't pray. Let's see if that was the reasoning and the rationale of Jesus. Who is more busier than Jesus? What was he able to do? He was able to pray all night. Amen. You know, just think about just think back to who you used to be before Jesus and think about your level of devotion, your level of zeal to the things that were committed to the devil. Think about it. And let ask yourself this question. Will the old you who sacrificed the demons sacrificed more than you sacrificed for the Lord? I was thinking about that the other day. Just I was like, man, was the old me more zealous for evil than I am for the things of God? I'm reflecting on myself, so don't don't think I'm asking questions of you that I don't ask myself. I was really reflecting, God, may it not be so. God forbid that I would be more zealous for a demon for the devil who is seeking to destroy my life and not be zealous unto the one who gave his life for me. Amen. 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 You know, I, I, one of the things that came to my mind is the, the amount of, uh, of substances that I put in my body and the level of sacrifice I would go to in order to get drugs. I do home invasions and thefts and you know slanging drugs and you know doing things that would have killed me right in order to secure that as an addict and and but now that was empowering that that lust for for 
substances and these highs, right? That was the motivating power that sprang you forward, right? Or whatever, whatever your problem was, and all it did was destroy you. But now we come to Christ, and he gives you the Holy Ghost to empower you. And he says to pray. And he is the motivation. It says he wills into you. He wills in and through you for his good pleasure. But, but what he wills for you doesn't bring destruction, but brings life. Amen. Shouldn't that be all the more a motivation to suffer long, to go and to press a hold of God, to, to uh, uh, grab a hold of his garments, as it were? Amen. It's an ever-increasing weight of glory. It says that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that should be revealed in us. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. So if we are to suffer long, God, and, and let me tell you this, He doesn't wait for you to get to heaven either. There are glories in this life. Does it not say that whoever closes himself in the secret place, he says, shall in no wise lose their reward? For your Father who sees what is done in secret shall reward you openly? So it's not talking about heaven. It's talking about now he will reward you openly. Right? Either you can do things in order to be seen by men or do things for God and he will show you to men. Amen. 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 That if you fast, you shall no wise lose your reward. And see, the Bible says that if you pray, it doesn't say... Um, now, it's, it's not equating rewards to answers. See, when you pray, you get answers, but there are rewards for your praying. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, let, let me repeat that. Jesus, in that passage, spoke about rewards. And we, knew, we know that rewards are not answers to prayer because that same word in the Greek, which translates to reward, is the same word that he uses for also to giving to the poor and for fasting. So he says, if you fast, you won't lose your reward. If you give, you won't lose your reward. If you pray, you will not lose your reward. Now, if you give and you will get a reward, how is that an answer? Because when you're giving, you're not asking for anything. Amen. So that suggests to us that the reward that is spoken about there is not the answer to prayer. Although you will be blessed with an answer to prayer. But in addition to that, God rewards you simply for the act of praying alone. The fact that you had willed to come to pray that God will reward you. Amen. Yeah. Oh, come on somebody. It sounds like some of you need to pray. I don't like this stuff. I don't want to hear about this stuff. Right? Go purchase a, your best life now book then. Oh, wait. <laughs> Just 
Pout all the way to your local bookstore. Go to Walmart. Find Oprah Winfrey or Dr. Phil. You know, the interesting thing, though, about Dr. Phil, he got more guts than a lot of our popular Christian preachers today. He actually tells you the truth. I don't know if you ever watch, uh, you know, sometimes I see on Facebook reels and stuff like that, Dr. Phil pop up. I'm like, man, he actually is speaking some truth there. Like, he'll, he'll put it very frank. He says, so, uh, um, how do you feel about your life? Coming to nothing. You're, you're just a deadbeat. <laughs> like, he'll say things like that. <laughs> but anyways, you know, I was, I was talking with someone at work. <coughs> and I was, I was telling them, uh, oh, because it, it was one of my coworkers. And she said, I'm sorry if I ever offend you guys. She said, I speak my mind a lot. And she said, just know that uh, it's not my intention to offend. I said, hey, thank you for letting me know. I said, I'd rather speak with people like that because at least they're not afraid to speak their mind. I said, the people I'm concerned about, they always tell me what I want to hear. Because that tells me that they don't have enough courage to speak truth. Because if I don't, if I never do anything that displeases you, then... I don't believe that because we're human. Amen. So there's something in you that makes you afraid of me or afraid of men generally that prevents you from saying something. So I don't know where you're at with me because you never let me know. Amen. So I want people to speak their mind because they tell on themselves. And it won't be long until I know where they're really at. Amen. That makes sense. Now, I don't want to be around jerks. That it, it have a malicious intent to, you know, to offend you purposefully, obviously not. But people who actually, you know, speak their mind like, hey, you know, I don't really agree with that. It's like, okay, well, at least you let me know where you're at, right? Let, let me just say this. The fear of a man, the Bible says in the Psalms, is a snare. Some of us need to learn not to be a people pleaser. And just because you clean it up with some Christian language doesn't mean that that's uh, what God wants us to do. The Bible says that we seek first and foremost to please Christ. Paul says if I, if I you know, desired to be a, a pleaser of men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Amen, somebody. Now, I feel I feel by the Lord right now that that you some of you will have to displease some people that mean something to you on the account of your faith in Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, you know, one of the funny things about uh, people who haven't really preached. They, they see ministry as some glamorous thing. Right. But not knowing that being a pastor is not easy because you're in the business of offending people. Because <laughs> think about it. Every week, you're having to tell people they're wrong in some way. Now, that, that doesn't mean the whole message should be centered around that, but that is an element of what preaching includes is correction, rebuke, reproof. And so there's always this proclivity and this temptation that is lurking around the corner 
for people to get offended from hearing things that they need to hear, right? Amen? Now, I get that we, we shouldn't offend unnecessarily, but if it's here in the Word, mind you, that it doesn't matter. See, some people say, show me in the Word, and I'll believe you. No, I don't, I don't believe you for a minute, because if John the Baptist was offended with Jesus, that means you can be offended with the Word. Jesus said, blessed are all those who are not offended on the account of me. You can be offended at Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know that they were offended with David? They wanted to stone David? Yet David fought all these battles for them? And at the moment of uh, uh, an inconvenience, what happens? The, the fickleness of man are already tempted to turn their backs on one who, is, who acted in great heroic faith. Amen? Because men are fickle. And it's, it's, it's difficult for them to remember all the good, but it's easy for them to remember one single bad thing. That's how I know people aren't submitted to God. Is It only takes one simple thing, and they're already, they're already ghosts, right? Some people are like that in relationships. That's why a lot of people can't ever get married. I don't like the toothpaste brand she uses. Right? I don't like her laugh. I don't like his haircut. I don't like how he praises the Lord. He embarrasses himself. Right? What what else can you think of? <coughs> you know, everybody wants to come when the cake is baked, but nobody wants to come and help. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Your daughter's laughing. Because people are lacking commitment today. People are lacking commitment because commitment takes long suffering. Amen. Amen. People are only looking for handouts. And I want this handed to me. I want this handed to me. But people never want to invest. They're only looking to go around to see what they can seize and what they can take. But is it any wonder why nothing ever works out in life? Because you don't stay long enough to invest long enough to get things out of your investments. Because you don't make them. Amen. Amen. You know, you can go to McDonald's, get a little cheese, uh, a cheap cheeseburger, or you can wait at a restaurant for something that's been slow cooked. I don't know if you guys ever ate some of the, the you know, that, that good meat that's been smoked. It takes a long time, but man, when it comes out and it's done right, it tastes bomb. Amen. See, some of you. See, some of you don't want smoked marriages. You want half-baked marriages. It's just half-baked. You're too eager. It's like, let me bless myself. You just want to snap it and grab it, confess it to possess it, speak it to reap it. Confess it to possess it. 
because it's it's you're waiting too long. <laughs> you don't <laughs> you don't want to wait any longer. Amen. You don't want to go for your degree. You'll settle, settle for a high school diploma. And I, I'm not belittling anybody who just has a high school diploma. But let's say that was your goal. That was your ambition to do something that required a degree. And you said, no, nah, I'll just settle for a high school diploma. I'll work around it somehow. Amen, somebody. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. You, you know, you, you don't want to earn your six-pack. You want to just get like a little grill and spray paint it so it looks like... <laughs> you, you ever seen that... Uh... <laughs> I've seen that on like a video where it's like... Uh, it looks like, uh, you know, a line and a line and there's... A, you know, one one uh, vertical line and two horizontal lines, and they spray paint something. So, or I, they do something where it looks like it's a six pack. Or you don't want to earn it. You just want to. You know, uh, I laugh at these commercials, right? Because I seen this one thing where they have a little strap around uh, uh, the belly, and I guess it it it, it, it uh, there's like something you can turn on and it moves. I don't know what it does, but it kind of like vibrates real strong around your your stomach area. I'm like, how pathetic. Just work out. We're, we're trying to do the bare minimum to get results. Like, what is that? You're just getting a tummy massage. It's not, you're not going to get anything from that. Amen, somebody. I hope none of y'all are offended. Maybe you bought one of those things. But, I'm telling you, it's not going to work. Are we all right? Amen. You just, you just bought a spiritual one. Right? You know, I'm going to put on my Bible app and I'll go to sleep. I'm too tired. Siri, read the Bible to me. <laughs> oh pastor I can't pray just pray for me <laughs> now I, I'm not I'm not saying that there isn't ever a time for us to have the saints pray for us I'm all for that <clears throat> but you shouldn't be relying on someone else's oil supply because you won't get any yourself ever. Amen. You know, I remember when I was in the world, you know, those, those ghetto people that never bought their own pack of cigarettes, they, they, they would wait in the circle like, hey man, can I, can I get a hit of that? And they'll pocket your lighter too. They're just scavengers. You, you shouldn't have a scavenger mindset when it comes to the Lord. And let me take this person's blessing. Let me take that. You know, and just drawing. And then once you get your fix, you're out and going about your business. And you never want to contribute back. 
I'm sorry we got sidetracked there. Um, Verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. So Paul, he's praising the Lord. Right? He's praising the Lord here and saying, look, our God is a God of comfort and he's a God of compassion. Right? So this is why you don't have to... um, But see, the comfort that God gives isn't foot rubs. Right? He, he, He doesn't do that. God is understanding. And so the compassion that he has motivates him to comfort you in your inner man. Because you can have all the worldly supports around you after the flesh, the externals. But you still robbed of peace and strength and comfort in the inner man. Have you ever been there? Everything in the external was going smooth. But inside were boisterous waves. There was an unrest in your heart because you're not in alignment with God. But have you ever had those times when everything else around your life was chaotic, but God gave you an inner peace and a comfort in your heart because you're in alignment to him, right? The comfort he gives is after the inner man. And so he seeks to bring comfort to you in your times of distress. But see, what happens if you never say yes to God and you avoid any manner of distress, you will not receive the comfort of the Spirit. Comfort is needed in times of discomfort. Amen? Amen. Comfort is needed in times of discomfort. And so you have the option. Are you going to comfort yourself with these alternatives? After the natural man, after the flesh, sex, drinking, smoking. Or maybe you say, hey, well, we're not married. She's just giving me a back rub. We're not having sex, Pastor. No, we're not doing that. She's just giving me a back rub. Right? And then, because after all, you know, I've been going through a lot. You know, I'm misunderstood here. I'm having troubles here. And then what happens? We start compiling reasons why we say no to Jesus. Amen? Amen. But if you were to trust that God's comfort is sufficient, you won't have to resort to those things. Amen. Amen. And it says... Who comforts us in all our troubles. So if there is anything in your mind that would lead you to believe that God can only comfort in some trouble. Then you you would have a ground to say, well, that won't work for here. That won't work for this problem. Yeah, the Jesus thing, but this is a unique problem And God's comfort can't reach me in that problem, in that trouble. So if that was a temptation to make that argument, that argument is gone because Paul says God comforts us in all of our troubles. Amen. Every last one of them. A betrayal, his comfort can come. In rejection, his comfort can come. Hallelujah. In suffering, his comfort can come. Right? 
in delayed answers to prayer, his comfort can come. Amen. But will you subject yourself to his government and wait upon the Lord so he can administer that strength and that comfort that will be able to get you through your long suffering? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And it says, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So it's not a selfish thing. See, God comforts you so that you can comfort others. Right? Have you ever met those people, right? When they were going through a hard time, like you gave them in your ear, and then when you're going through a hard time, they're like, and they're like, oh, that sucks. See you later. Sucks to be you. And they were a Christian. And then the next thing you know, they see you see on their post, we need to love each other. <laughs> it's like, you know, you just want to put SMH and get a little emoji like that. And then you, you go visit their page and delete. <laughs> Block. <laughs> Report. <laughs> don't report to Mark Zuckerberg report to Jesus <laughs> but yeah that's cold it's, anyways but the comfort that we receive from the Lord, we need to give it out to others. Amen. And see, look, this is why this is why <coughs> there are no excuses in the kingdom. There are no excuses in the kingdom. Um Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't understand but there's no excuse for disobedience. That's the point I'm trying to make. Amen. Because see, what Satan wants you to believe is that the problems he brings your way is actually greater than the strength and the comfort of the Lord. That's what he wants it to amount to. And you can, you can bite that. And you know what that will secure for your, the rest of your life is a mediocre life, a life of defeat. Because you will never be able to conquer your problems. You won't be able to say, I am more than a conqueror. Because you always revert back to what is safe. You always revert back to what's comfortable in the flesh. You always revert back so you will never know what Christ through you can accomplish. Amen. Amen. So, um, it says... If we are distressed, it is for your comfort. Always, verse 5. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So Paul is saying, if we receive something in great magnitude in the natural man, in terms of suffering and all those things, you can expect to receive a magnified comfort in Christ. 
So Christ proportions his comfort to the degree of your suffering. Amen. Amen. So verse 6, If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. So Paul was not estranged. Paul wasn't preaching from his mansion, saying, guys, be strong. Right? He says, "This is the, the things that you're going through, we, we're going through them too. Right? There's a band of brotherhood here. We, we, we are not unfamiliar with the things that you're going through. We have gone through them too, or we are currently going through them. See, one of the things that makes a terrible preacher is someone who has not been temp tempered by suffering. They treat the, the church of God like a, a, a butcher house. They just want to unload their shotgun shells of all the little Bible nuggets that they got. And just here, take it, take it. Right? Because, and that's the mindset that can creep into people like that. Here, I'm going to show them. That's, that's not a mindset that a preacher should ever have. Right? Even the worldly people. I, I see that a lot of times in the street preachers too. Like, I'm going to show those sinners. Right? That's, No. That's not what the word of God is for. It's not a it's not a club to whack people over the head. It's it's for conviction, right? <clears throat> but it's not to um intentionally try to see people's defeat. You know? But nonetheless, Paul he's able to sympathize. He goes through it too. And and isn't that an encouragement knowing that Jesus Christ is a high priest? And the Bible says he's not unable to be touched by the feelings of your infirmities, but was tempted in all points like we, yet without sin. So he's not unable to sympathize or empathize and be touched with your problems because he too had gone through them. How, you know, he, he suffered a great betrayal when, on the cross. He had given his life to these men. And in his hour of need, they all had abandoned him. And he hung there, the Bible says, naked. They cast lots for his garments. They spat on him. They pulled his beard. They mocked him. His own creation. Right? <clears throat> and so, Jesus had gone through immense suffering. He's able to come alongside of you. And help you and comfort you in your distress, in your pain, in your agony. And not only is he able to empathize, he's able to empower you to endure. And the Bible says, after you suffered a little while, the God of all grace that makes you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. Amen, somebody. Have you ever been there where Everything about you and in your life is utterly depleted. And there's nothing you can do humanly. And even your prayer is a faint prayer and say, Jesus, help me even now to pray. I'm so burdened. 
<clears throat> Some of you may feel like, oh, I don't, I don't need this message. But there will come a time when you do. Well, you need to hear Amen. something like this. Amen. You may be, you may be enjoying the the joy in the morning, but I assure you, there will come a time when there's a weeping that endures for the night. <clears throat> Look, it says this, verse eight: We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, <clears throat> far beyond our ability to endure. So that we, we despaired of life itself. So Paul says we were under greater pressure. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the Greek word is hupomone. And it means uh, hupo. Uh, I believe it's the word steadfastness. And it means to come under. Uh, and, and see, when you're, when you're steadfast, you're coming under this pressure. Because to not be steadfast, to not persevere, means the, here's a testing, here's a pressure, and I'm not coming under, I'm getting out of the way. I'm not, I'm not enduring this. It's like, it's like, for example, you're bench pressing, and you're under that weight. You're being steadfast, you're pushing. But what happens when you can't take it any longer? You cut, you get out of the way. You're no longer under the weight. You're out of the weight's way. So when you're persevering and you're steadfast, you're coming under that. And Paul says, we were under such great pressure. We were under it. It was above us. He says, it was far beyond our ability to endure. So have you ever said that? Jesus, I can't do this anymore. God, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep going on. That's yeah. a suggestion that you're, that's a suggestion. Either you're in sin or you're obedient living the Christian life. And there's a time of testing. Amen, somebody. Yeah. <clears throat> Amen. Times like that come to us all. Times like that will come. And if it's not currently in your life, it will come. But it ought not to be a dread. Because the power that raised Christ from the dead can quicken your mortal body. Amen. And he says, it was far beyond our ability to endure. He didn't just say, hey, you know, it was kind of a struggle, but hey, I, I got this. Right? He didn't say that. He didn't say, you know, it troubled me a bit, but hey, it, it ain't nothing. <laughs> he didn't say that. He said it was far beyond our ability to endure. So what in your life do you surmise is something that is far beyond your ability to endure? Right? And the power of God wants to meet you there. The power of God wants to swallow up your infirmities. The power of God wants to strengthen you so that you can get through it. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> and Paul says this, So that we despaired of life itself. 
and this is what I shared last time, is that Paul didn't think he was going to make it through. Paul thought he was going to die. Paul thought that there was no expectation for release or deliverance from that problem. And that he was going to die in that pressure. But what does he say? Have you ever been there? It's like David who cried in Psalm 13, How long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me forever? How long shall I have trouble in my soul and sorrow in my heart continually, daily? Right? But he says, I will trust in this, the compassions of the Lord. Amen. In fact, let, let, let me read that real quick. Psalm 13. Amen. It says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and have and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. And my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Hallelujah. So you know what David is, even though David has been going through this for a very long time. You know what he says right there in verse 5? But I still trust in your unfailing love. I know your love doesn't fail. I know that your compassions toward me do not fail. I know that your mercies toward me are new every morning and they do not fail. For if they had failed, I would remain in this. But since they are unfailing, I can look unto you and expect for deliverance. The Bible says my heart rejoices in your salvation. So you know why his heart had found an occasion to rejoice? is because he looked to the unfailing mercies of the Lord. And on the strength of that mercy, he knew that God would deliver him. Amen. Does it not say in Psalm 34 that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all? Amen. He doesn't say he delivers, from, he does, he delivers them, him from some of them, but he delivers them from them all. Amen. <coughs> so returning back to 2 Corinthians, we'll be coming to a close here. He says, um, Indeed, we had felt we had indeed we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. So you know why the Lord had allowed Paul to go through that? So that Paul wouldn't rely on himself. And what we learn is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it was either chapter 11 or chapter 12, if I'm not mistaken, Paul talked about his thorn in the flesh. It says that would prevent him from being conceited. Amen. Paul, Paul was an intelligent man. He was a very stout man. I'm assuming he was, uh, you know, not a weak guy. And uh, there may have been a lot of things he, he, he could have easily looked to in his flesh. 
But he didn't resort to that. He says, I'll look to the Lord. And I've been going through these things so that I won't rely on myself. <clears throat> Amen. Because you know what your temptation will be? is to, to rely on yourself. Amen. You want to know how you're relying on yourself? Is you don't pray. Amen. That, that's that's what a life looks like when you're you're not relying on the Lord. You just you just resume you you presume on your own thoughts. You presume on your own will. You presume on your own uh capacity. And you you don't go before the Lord. You know what David did before he had gone out to war? He always inquired of God. Right? Because if the Lord didn't give the blessing, he won't win the battle. Amen. So Amen. Many of you have to realize, I got to inquire of God. See, some of you guys get yourselves into situations that the Lord didn't want you in the first place, and now you're calling unto Him to get you out. Because had you called on Him before you went in, you wouldn't have to call on Him for Him to get you out. Amen. You see why it's imperative to pray? You know, I've learned over the years... You know, and I say this not to gloat or to boast or anything, but I know that naturally, you know, I I, I understand concepts well. You know, um, I, I would I would think of myself as you know a reasonably intelligent person, and you know naturally strong and and stuff like that. I say that because the Lord had caused me to come to the end of my ropes, and I realize that none of that. None of it equals my success in God. None of it. And, and, and that I have to, even if I think I can resume on myself, I have to come before the Lord and say, God, I have no eyes, you are my eyes. I have no mouth, you are my mouth. I have no ears, you are my ears. I know, I know nothing apart from you. I can do nothing apart from you. I am nothing apart from you. God, I need your power. I need your might. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your knowledge. God, I need you. And that should be the language of the man or the woman who lives a life dependent upon God. Because David, despite all his power as king, you know what he says in the Psalms? Bow down your ear, for I am poor and needy. What do you mean you're needy? You're a monarch. You have all the power in Israel and Judah. You have a bunch of money. You have military tact and strength. The Bible says that David was intelligent and wise and prudent and shrewd. He was anointed. But, but the king before the, before the Lord was just a man that it was from dust. Psalm 103, for he remembers our frame that we are but dust. Amen. The days of men upon earth are but a breath. And those who gain success in this life are the one who consult the who are the ones who consult the ancient one. Amen. <clears throat> it doesn't matter how intelligent a man is. 
what we all have to rely on the omniscience of God who knows all. Amen. Amen. Psalm thir uh, Jeremiah 32 verse 17 says, there, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Imagine how proud a man would have to be for that man to say, There is nothing too hard for me. What? I can think of a million things that are too hard for you. But the Bible says that there is nothing too hard for the Lord. So either I can rely on the strength of man or I can rely on his outstretched arm that is capable of doing all. Amen. Either I can rely on my puny brain with my limited knowledge or I can rely on the one who knows all. Amen. 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 See, the only people that make it that that the only people that make it in the kingdom are the one who consults the ancient one. The only ones that make it. You know what the Bible talks about necromancy? <clears throat> you know what necromancy is consulting the dead. Right? And how how People of the dark realm, they consult spirits and demons and stuff like that. Where where does their immense success come from? Now, when I say success, I'm talking about the, 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 the mighty exploits they do for the demons. They command marvelous strength. Superior knowledge. You know why? Because they're consulting ancient spirits that have been here for thousands of years. That's what gives them an advantage in life. Now it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. The only way you will make it as a Christian is you consult the one who is light, the ancient of days, who has a superior knowledge against anybody. Amen. Amen. So, you know, <clears throat> this is why Daniel was 10 times better than all the astrologers and soothsayers. Why? What did he say? He says, I know nothing more than all of the living. But you, O king, so that you may know there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, the secrets of your dream and the interpretation thereof has been revealed unto you. Amen. And then what happened is Daniel was elevated to a place why? Because he was wiser than all of the living. No, because he had consulted the ancient one. That's why. He had consulted the ancient of days, who knows no end, who is the Alpha and the Omega, who is the only immortal, invisible, and all-wise God. Amen. Amen. The one who crafted all of the heavens and the earth by his single command. Amen. Amen. There is no comparison between us futile men, fragile men, and the one who has all strength and all light and all power, and all wisdom and all glory, all dominion. Amen. Hallelujah. So when we come to here, Paul says, I didn't rely on myself. But I rely on a God who can raise dead things. Amen.
I rely on a God who can raise dead men. I rely on a God who can part a Red Sea. I rely on a God who empowered Elijah to slap water with his cloak and it divided. I rely on a God who can dispatch a single angel and cause 140,000 men to be slain in a single command. I rely upon a God who defeated the hell and the grave. I rely upon a God whom all of the demons that exist in this realm shudder and tremble at the mention of his name. Hallelujah. And what does the devil want to do? He wants to he wants to preach unbelief to you. He wants to preach doubt to you. He wants to he wants to diminish the strength of the name of the Lord. He wants to get you to discredit the ability of God so that you can rely on yourself so he can ensnare you into a trap. That's what he does. But we don't choose that way. We choose to rely upon the God even when it looks foolish. Even when it looks unwise. You know the wisdom of God looks like foolishness to men? So if there's never a point in your life when someone says what you're doing is foolish, then you're not you're, you're not walking in the wisdom of God. Now, you shouldn't be hearing that from wise men of God. The way of the world think that the ways of the Lord are foolishness. And they will say that's foolish. Amen? You know, although at times some lukewarm, shallow Christians will tell you what you're doing is unwise if you're walking in the wisdom of God. Because they're not deep enough to know or understand. Amen? So sometimes people will think, even even people in the church will think what you're doing is foolish. I wouldn't do it that way. I don't believe that. You know? Amen. Because their intellect can't understand it. So, <clears throat> and here, here's the final verses. It says, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us again. So you see how the first time Paul didn't believe he would be delivered? He thought he was going to die. But when the Lord did deliver him, what did He say? He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us again. So it's not something Paul read in a book. God the Holy Ghost made a conviction to the heart of Paul that he's the God who delivers. See, some of you know the Lord as as uh, uh, as comforter, but you don't know him as deliverer. And so instead of putting a book in your hand, the Lord takes you through things in life so you can learn the ways of the Spirit. Amen. Because there's many facets of God and, and, and to know him it is an endless quest because he's, he's infinite. And so as you're continuing to pursue the Lord, he will take you through things so you can see other facets and dimensions of his glory and his person. Amen. Amen. Some of us need to tap into the realms for us to understand that, that God is sustainer, that God is preserver. That God is friend, that God is father, that God is judge. Oh Lord, this person has wronged me. 
bring about justice in this situation, that's God as judge. You're, you're tapping into a dimension of God that, that is making re certain prayer requests that tap into his person as far as judge is concerned. Amen. Amen. And it says, On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So that's the last verse we'll read. And so in, in closing comments on, on that last verse, you know, I think one of the biggest disservices done to the body of Christ is that we've always said that God will do it. But we, we have not taught people that it's conditional. That God doing something is conditioned by our obedience and our prayer. Amen. God doing things for your life is conditioned on your obedience, on your prayer, and on your long-suffering. Because you can pray and you can be obedient, but not continue in long-suffering and you forfeit what God wanted to get to you. Right? The Bible says he spoke a parable unto this and that men ought always to pray and not faint. So there, there, there are some men that have prayed, but they didn't pray always. Amen. I'm sure some of you know those people. They tried out the Jesus thing. They said the prayers. God did some things for their lives, but they didn't pray always. Amen. 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 My brothers and sisters, you have to learn prayer as a lifestyle. You know, before I go to work, I'm praying in tongues. On my break, I'm praying in tongues. When there's no people around, I'm walking through the hall, I'm praying in tongues. When I go back on lunch, I'm praying in tongues. When I go home, I'm praying in tongues. I'm in the shower, I'm praying in tongues. Why? Because I need to continue to be filled with the presence of God, with the person of Christ. I need to pray always and not faint. Amen, somebody. Amen. We need to up. The Bible makes it clear that men ought always to pray. So when you're you're discomforted, pray. When you're comforted, pray. When you're joyous, pray. When you're not happy, pray. When you people are persecuting you, pray. Amen. Amen. When you don't feel the need to pray, you pray. I posted something in the chat. Pray, uh, you know, uh, uh, if you don't feel it, pray. If you feel it, pray. Or, you no, know, pray if you don't feel it. Pray if you do feel it. And pray until you feel it. Amen? And so what, what, what you need to do is pray always. And even in your prayer, you need to pray. What do you mean by that? It says that in James, in the Greek, it says that Elijah prayed in his prayer. You know it says that literally in the Greek? He prayed in his prayer. What does it mean? It means there's a dimension in prayer that until you reach it, you don't really pray. See, the, the scholars don't know this. The intellects don't know this. 
It's men of the Spirit and women of the Spirit who know that your prayers must take wings, that there's a dimension in prayer. You know, I like the way that Apostle Romy describes it. He says, uh, you know, Paul says, I will pray. So the place of prayer always begins with the will. You must will it. Until you will it, it won't convert into activity. But once you begin to will to pray, it's mechanical energy. And the way he describes it, I love the way it, it's very uh, detailed. Have you ever uh, you use like a lawnmower? You have to start it. You have to yank the, the string. You have to will that. It's mechanical. <coughs> it's manual. Right? But what happens once it gets started? It's living off its own supply. So you don't have to continue to yank it and yank it and yank it. Well, there's realms in prayer that the Holy Ghost takes over and continue to oscillate it to where it's self-sustaining, to where the Spirit now takes over your will and the Spirit's gliding you, assisting you in that prayer. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you need to get to that place. No more excuses. And see, this is frustrating for some men and some women. Why? Because they feel the frustration of trying to participate in a spiritual activity relying upon the flesh. And so what prayer will do is constrain you to be dependent upon the ways of God. Hallelujah! It constrains you to become dependent so that if you aren't getting anywhere in your prayer, it's because it's demonstrating to you that there's still a lot of self-reliance you have to die to. And people people always talk about, oh, prayer is so hard. And I say this, I don't say it gloating. For me, prayer is not hard. And see, insecure men who, who are not spiritual, insecure women who aren't spiritual will take that as an offense. And they'll say, you're just boasting. No, it's not a boast. It's because I've learned the way of the Spirit to become dependent upon not myself, but upon God to help me to pray. Amen. Amen. David said, then he say in the Psalms, quicken me that I may call on your name. So even in his prayer, he's praying to help him to pray. Amen. Yeah. And see, we, 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 we teach this a lot here. And, and there's a purpose for it. There's a purpose for it. <clears throat> and it's not just so we can hear it, so that we be doers of the word. Yeah. I hope, it, it is my prayer, that you have migrated to greater places and depths in God. In the place of prayer. You know why? Because you will never see the deliverances that you hope for until you pray for them. Amen. You wonder why things aren't changing in your life because you don't pray as you ought. You don't dispense enough energy in the place of prayer. Amen. Come on somebody. You want to know why you always feel heavy hearted? You always feel dejected? You always feel, feel sorrowful? And it's because you haven't reached the depths in the Lord that, that helps you to, uh, to go to the place of Mount Zion from whence comes your strength. Amen. 
You're still living on the earth realm. You're still trying to participate in the spiritual kingdom doing it earthly ways. You know, I was listening to a, a podcast recently and, and to, to my sorrow, uh, this man of God was speaking of a church that replaced the prayer meeting for a strategizing conference weekly, once a week. Those are dead men. They're men that say, God, our knowledge is superior than yours. We're going to strategize and not agonize. Leonard Ravenhill said that we, we, we uh, you know, we're no longer in the upper room praying. We're, we're uh, in the supper room playing. You know, me, me, and, uh, me and my wife, were, we're driving somewhere yesterday. And I happened to notice this huge mega church on the side. They're all playing baseball and all stuff. You know, there's, they have your service times on the billboard, but there's no listing of prayer time. They're all playing. But then, you know, I, I said... <laughs> I said jokingly, but I said they need to stop playing and start praying. <laughs> and, and then to my left, on the corner, there was a Jehovah's Witness church. And I said, well, at least they're working because they were, they were digging and planting things. I said, at least they're working and not playing. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so at, least, at least the Jehovah's Witnesses aren't into all the playing stuff. <clears throat> and I heard one minister said, uh, you know, we don't no longer... Go from the outer court, the inner court, to holy holies. We go basketball court to the tennis court to the mega church. <laughs> it's not the inner and the outer court; it's the tennis court and the basketball court. <laughs> um, I, I'll laugh at my own jokes because I I think they're funny. I really don't. Uh, <clears throat> I, I didn't I didn't come up with that, by the way. But it's funny, but it's sad. Because look at all the money that's going, all the God's money that's going to this nonsense. Amen. <clears throat> With their fancy lights and their fog machines and their little uh, straps that these pastors, you know, now they want to be like some Hollywood movie star. They got, they buy these little straps and, you know, these little mechanical things so they can be, you know, have you seen that, those videos? They can be, uh, what am I trying to say? Carried to their, you know, their platform. For their, ear airlifted or hoisted or whatever. Yeah, those are good words. Just to have these stupid demonstrations. <clears throat> Amen? <clears throat> and see people, see people, they get upset. The body of Christ gets upset and say, what's the problem with that? The problem with that is that they're not relying on the Spirit. They're relying on mechanisms and strategies to manipulate men. Because they want larger crowds, and so what they have to do is entertain. And since people don't got no relationship with God, and can't sit two minutes in His presence, we have to keep entertaining people. And let me just say this frankly, if you don't want God then I have no business with you because I'm not here to entertain. Amen. My hope is that warriors would be raised up. I don't Amen. care about being a seeker-sensitive church. I care about being, you know, I, I, I think, uh, I don't know, Brother Malachi, you posted it, it was uh, Victor Marks. He says, you know, um, <clears throat> being nice is overrated. 
They have so much talk of being nice. He said, you got to understand, I'm not a nice man. I'm a kind man. Because kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. But you know what kindness, my kindness, says, behold the kindness and the severity of the Lord. And if you guys don't know who Victor Marx is, I love the guy. Because he catches a lot of culprits and, uh, you know, uh, uh, rapists and all these other guys. You know, sometimes he comes armed. Well, he comes armed. Well, the kindness unto the broken and to the oppressed means a terror unto the wicked. Amen. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. You, you, you can say amen to that. I don't know what image we got of Jesus. I think we got a 70s hippie Jesus that always throws up a peace sign and throwing flowers everywhere. I'm not saying that Jesus was in a militia group, but I'm saying that Jesus was stronger than, than a lot of evangelical churches are portraying him to be today. Amen. He said some offensive things. How would you feel if he told your mom, I'm sorry, I, it's not meat for me to give the bread to the, to the dogs? What if he said to you, that to your mom? How would you like that for a pastor? Right? I'm just telling you what's biblical, right? I wouldn't like it myself, but that's where we got to die to the flesh and live after the Spirit and hear what the Holy Ghost is saying. Amen. And are you going to be put off by the Lord's unpolite responses or are you going to continue to press in because you're hungry and you're desperate? Amen. Amen. You know, there's some frank doctors out there. I'd rather have a frank doctor that tells me what I need to hear you know, because some are kind of rude. They'll say, you're fat. Cut down. Stop eating. Now they'll say that. But at least you can respect people like that more than the person that just wants to tell you lies. Yeah. Is that true? Who likes being lied to? I don't like being lied to. Amen. And Jesus is the great physician. And guess you know what? You, you know what he has to say sometimes? Yeah, that, that woman is bad for your health. That man is bad for your health. Daughter, son, what you're watching is, is bad for your health. Amen. Cut that out of your life. Or it will kill you. Stop that or it's going to cause you harm. May we not be a stiff-necked people. <clears throat> May we not be stiff-necked. And harden our hearts unto the Lord. May we be men and women who are still tender-hearted, whose hearts are open still to receive from God you know it can, it, it's a dangerous thing you know you can get to the place to where you're still doing Christian things and you don't receive from God oh I've seen it many times I've seen pastors who won't even pray anymore they they, 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 they think they're too good for that and they'll, they'll be on their little fancy iPads and watching everybody worship they won't raise their hands why because uh, they're too important for that
But you, you think that happened overnight? Some men that used to weep on the altar are men that don't do that anymore. They can't tell you the last time they've cried in the presence of God. My brothers and sisters, do you still pour out your heart for the Lord? And let me say this, let me say this as a challenge. Not for a sin that you've committed. Because there are people that continue to cry crocodile tears before something that they've done. They go to the altar and they weep their eyes out. But no, not because you've done something against the Lord, but because you want Him. God, here I am and I'm longing for you. I'm hungry for your presence. Amen. Is there still that cry that your heart elicits that, that, that is characteristic of Psalm 42? That as a deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants after you. My soul longs for you as a dry and a weary land where there is no water. Do you still pant after God? The Bible says that rock, that Christ was a rock that the water gushed forth. He says that you will drink of this water and you will never thirst again. But oh, how we sing our songs of partaking of the rivers of water and, and the waters that make glad the city of God, but we never go there too. And the reason that I know that we don't go there too is because we're not men and women who pray and men and women who worship. We need an atmosphere that is conducive to create for us something that will prop us up. But how about when you're no longer in the heat of the atmosphere, but you're in your home and you have devils fighting against you, lying to you, tempting you not to pray? Can you still go to those early morning hours or the late night in, in the midnight hour and you're still crying unto God, Lord, I'm longing for you. Hallelujah. I need you. I want you. I long for you. I ache and I yearn. Amen. Amen. That's the true test of whether or not you're hungry for the Lord. Is there's nobody around, there's nothing to prop you up, and it's just you and God, and you have to do business with Him. You know, I like what Leonard Ravenhill said. He says, you have a million millennials in all of eternity where there's no sorrow there. So what if God will put a burden on you and make you sorrowful? Don't, the, I like what David Wilkerson in his preaching on, uh, on a call to anguish. He says there's a lot of sorrow in the heart of God. and He's going to put a burden on you and take you into some anguish sometime and reveal to you the problems in this world. But are we so preoccupied with ours that we can't for a minute begin to think about all the Everything that's going on beyond our four walls. Because we want to conserve our peace. That's how you know you're reaching maturity is the Lord can entrust you with a burden. Amen. <clears throat> you're no longer day after day after day rolling off onto Him the burden of sin. You have no burden uh, of sin anymore so He puts on you your burden, uh, His burden. Amen. Aren't you a friend of God? He bore your burden. Can you bear his? <clears throat> he did the heavy lifting. He tells you do light lifting because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But the unfortunate thing is we have no stamina in the spirit, no stature in the spirit, that we think the yoke uh, of the Lord that is easy and his burden is light is actually a heavy and grievous thing. Amen. Amen. The commands of the Lord are not grievous. 
His burden is not difficult and it's not crushing. So that if it's crushing to you, you know what? Where from whence comes your crushing? That he wants to crush your idol. You still have an idol you're holding on to. You say this is dear and it's precious to me. I can't let it go. What do we have to give up this day? My brothers and sisters, what is it that we have to give up? Amen? We have to give up some things if we want to go continue in the Lord. And we want His joy. And we want His peace. And we want His we want His favor. We want His face to shine upon us. <coughs> some of us, uh, we need to go deeper in the Lord. We need to go deeper in God. Amen? And so, I want to say this as a challenge in closing. Make it a habit. A daily habit to pray an hour a day. <clears throat> Every single day, no excuses. You may say, I'm not there. I don't care. God will get you there. Amen. The days of lax Christianity are over. You, you need you need to get you need to go deeper in the Lord. You need to give him that first fruit. And and if and if you let me say this other challenge. If you haven't yet received the gift of tongues, you need it. Continue in hunger before the Lord until you get it. And don't make it an optional thing. Because here we, we believe in tongues. And I don't want anybody missing out on that gift. It's available for all. Amen. Amen. And the reason why I say that is because it will enrich your prayer life. I'm telling you. Because there's only so many things you can think of to pray in your native tongue. You need to pray by the Holy Ghost where the Spirit Himself is, is eliciting those words to the Father. You need it. And so, let us... Uh